Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Let's go, well, let's see, how can we do this? Let's go to the book of Acts first. Let's go to Acts chapter 16. We've been looking at our connection with a loving Heavenly Father. God loves you as an individual. I like what one guy said. He said, God loves you just like you are, but He wants you to be better. (laughs) Amen? I think that's good. He loves us just like we are, but He wants us to be better. Now, remember, in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, the story of the nation of Israel and its exploits, that God brought Israel out, brought them out of the um, Egypt, and then He led them in a very peculiar way. The Bible says He provided for them a cloud by day, which brought cool or coolness in the day, and fire by night, which brought light and warmth in the nighttime. If they had to proceed or go somewhere at night, at nighttime, there was light and there was warmth. So they would remain in their tents or remain, you know, in proximity to their tents until the cloud moved. Now, when the cloud moved, they would move. Uh, when, the, when the fire would move, they would move. Uh, when the cloud would stop, uh, they would stop. Uh, when the fire would stop, they would stop. So whatever the cloud did, whatever the fire did, That's what they did. That's wherever it went. Now, they did not take the most direct route to the promised land. They actually took a route, which God said later, a route in which there would not be near as much opposition to their transition. Amen. The one translation says that God led them by easy stages. So there would be times when the whole nation would be moving, and then there would be times the whole nation would not be moving. So think about this. God took care of anywhere from two to three million people without a dollar store, without a Randall's, without a Walmart, without a, uh, without a, a Kroger. Are you with me? I mean, with, with no uh, electricity, with no uh, running water, with nothing out there, He provided for His people supernaturally. Amen? And eventually got them into the promised land. Now, if God did that for them under the covenant they lived, How much more does God want to do that for us under a better covenant based on better promises? Now, when you got born again, God put the cloud and the fire on the inside of you in your human spirit. God guides us. God directs us. God speaks to us and communicates to us by or in our human spirit. Last week, remember, we studied Ephesians chapter 3, the great prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed, that we would all be strengthened by His Spirit in our inner man. It's called the inner man there. Uh, other other, uh, uh, other uh, scriptures call it the new creature. Other, other scriptures call it uh, the hidden man of the heart. So it's your human spirit. That's where you are united. That's where you are connected to God. The Bible says, He who is in Christ or he that is of God is one spirit with Him. Amen? So you're not going to get, you know, uh, leadership in your mind or leadership through your flesh. God's going to lead you by the Spirit. Romans uh, 8.14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Amen? So your life needs to be a life led by the Spirit of God. 
where God is leading you in all the different aspects of your life, leading you in your, in your walk with God, leading you in your finances, leading you in your, in your physical life. Uh, you know, I've already said this. People would be a lot healthier if they'd let God into the refrigerator. Amen. Now, I don't, you know, I don't, preach, I don't preach personal conviction because, you know, God speaks to everybody differently. But I remember the first time that, 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 that God began to correct me in my diet. You know, I married Leah, and, and before I married Leah, I was a, I was, all I ate was meat and potatoes. That's it. I didn't eat anything green. I was not a rabbit. My ears were not on top of my head. My eyes were not close together, and I had carnivore teeth. So I figure, you know, knock it in the head, cut its throat, eat it, and then put some cheese and butter on the baked potato and eat it with that. Amen. Well, I met Leah, and she started, you know, when she saw how I ate, she was like, no, uh-uh, no, 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 that, that ain't going to happen. And so she started, you know, with the A's, with the, with the artichokes and avocados, and, and she just put cheese on everything is what she did. And so God used her to change my diet to where now I eat salads and I eat vegetables and eat all these kind of things. But then I remember the first time the Spirit of the Lord in my spirit dealt with me about something in my life that he no longer wanted me to do. I loved iced tea. I was an iced tea fanatic. Now, don't go out of here saying, I, I, I said not to drink iced tea. You can drink all the iced tea you want. You can drink all the coffee you want. You can drink all of whatever you want. Amen. This is just how God dealt with me. I drank a lot of iced tea. I mean, I drank at least a gallon every day. And I drank, I, I mean, it was, I'd drink more. I mean, I'd go over and preach in Ireland and ask for iced tea, and they'd look at me like I was crazy. So they'd bring me hot tea and glasses of ice. So one day in prayer, the Lord spoke to me and said, never drink iced tea again. And I'm like, yeah, right. You know, you ever been like that when the Lord spoke to you? You're like, yeah, right, sure, yeah, you know. Well, the Lord spoke it to me again very strongly after about three days in prayer one day. He said never. And then when he spoke it to me the second time, it was like all desire for it left me. Now, I got that from my spirit. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to drink iced tea. It's not wrong. It's wrong for me to do it. You understand what I'm saying? There are particular and peculiar things that God will deal with you about in your life by the, by the Spirit that God may not deal with anybody else about but you. You've got to be willing to follow the Lord. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Amen. So obviously that was an issue in my life that I had to correct, that I had to, to adjust. And even to this day, that's been probably, what, Leah, 20 years ago at least that the Lord spoke that to me. I, even to this day, if I accidentally grab a glass of ice, and I just, I, just, it just, I can't even take it. It's just, you know, God just did something. Well, you know, we would be a whole lot better served that if in every area of our life we could hear from God, hear from the Spirit of God. On the inside, our diets, our finances, our relationships. How many wish God would have dealt in your life with all the different relationships you've had over the years and you wouldn't have so many knuckle knots on your head? Amen. Well, we all, we all wish that, but the thing is, you can't unring a bell. You know, so if the bell's already been rung, what you need is God's leadership and guidance to get you out of certain situations and circumstances so that you can get on the right track. The Bible calls it in Psalms 23, the path of righteousness for His namesake. Because it's on that path.
path that your provision is. It's on the path where the cloud by day, the fire by night, that's not on the outside. Now it's on the inside. It's on that path that your manna is, your quote manna is, your quote uh, uh, water out of the flinty rock. All of the provision that you need is on your particular path of righteousness that you're on. So it would behoove you to figure out how to follow God by learning how to follow your human spirit. Because that is where God is communicating with you. Now, notice, let's start in the book of Acts, because there's so many directions we could go here. But let's, let's start in the book of Acts. Now, this had to do with ministry in Acts 16. It's so, uh, verse 5, And so the churches were established in the faith and increased in number daily. Now, when they had gone through Pergia, the region of Galatia, now notice this, we were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. After they were come to Messiah, they essayed to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. Do you see that? The Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Messiah, came down to Troas, and then a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Now, obviously... The Apostle Paul and his entourage, and if you, if you like to do Bible studies, you'll see that it is Acts chapter 16 where Paul actually joins their ministry entourage. Uh, from Acts chapter 1 to Acts chapter 15, Paul is writing they, 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 and in Acts chapter 16, he starts writing we, we, we. So he joins the entourage of the Apostle Paul at the time, I mean, yeah, of the Apostle Paul at the time, and is giving firsthand information. So obviously they were looking for the will of God. They were searching for the will of God. So they began, I don't know, maybe they got their tickets to go on a, to go on a ship or, 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 or hired some other kind of transportation or went out and began to buy a map to figure out how to go to that particular region. And as they made preparation or as they began to lean toward going, the Spirit of God said, no, no. Now isn't it amazing God say, don't do that? But you know, there are times when God will say, don't do I remember a particular time in my life, I wanted to go to Romania. I had a friend in Bible school that he's built a beautiful church in Romania. God has blessed him. He was supernatural uh, testimony how God brought him out of that nation and, and brought him over to Lakewood Church. And he was a Baptist pastor. Then he was filled with the Holy Ghost. And then God sent him back to Romania. And, I, and, and every time we'd run, run into each other, no matter where we were in the world, he was like, Rusty, you got to come to my church. You got to come to my church. Brother Daniel Matai is his name. You got to come to my church. You got to come to my church. And so finally, we did all the preparation. I was going to Europe. I was, going to be in, I was going to be in Finland. I was going to be in North and South Ireland. I was going to be in Wales and England. And so why not? Let's, let's run over to Romania. So, uh, you know, we had made preparations. I believe we'd even gotten tickets and gotten ready to make that uh, particular jaunt. They had gotten uh, things prepared for us to be there in a, in, in a uh, series of meetings with them. Well, I was in Glendale, West Virginia, preaching in a conference there. And as I sat on the stage... In my spirit, I heard these words, don't go to Romania. Don't go to, well, I, I didn't like that. I mean, it was very strong, very authoritative, but it was down here. It wasn't up here in my head. It was down here in my, don't go to Romania. So I, I came home and very reluctantly, we canceled that leg of that trip. Well, while I was in Europe, of course, you know, the, the news over there is a little different than it is over here. I don't know if you've ever been in Europe and seen some of the Sky News, BBC News, some of that. I don't know what it is about the way they report things over there. It's just a little, they seem to be more objective and not so politically geared, you know? Well, anyway, we were there, and I think it was while I was in Dublin watching the BBC one night, I noticed 
that there in Romania, right there in Timisoara, the city that I would have been in, a riot had happened. And this riot had lasted all the, and they had, and the government had gone in and declared martial law. If we would have been there, it would have shut us down. We wouldn't, have, we wouldn't have been able to do any meetings. And God saved us from going to Romania and sitting there for two weeks while they had riots. Amen. So, you know, you think, well, in ministry, that's important. But in every area of your life, it may be a different direction to drive to work. Where you just get an impression, I'm not, I'm not supposed to go that way today. It may be uh, something at your job where you, you're doing something a certain way. And God said, you know, don't do that anymore. Don't do that a certain way because it's going to hurt you or harm you. There's all kinds of areas in our lives that God wants to lead us or guide us by His Spirit. But we've got to become sensitive to the Spirit and to the Spirit realm so that we can follow after the Lord. Are you with me? Now notice here, I, I went through Acts today and I was looking at a couple of things. It says in Acts 17, don't, you don't have to turn there, we'll just look at this for a moment, then we're going to go over to the book of Hebrews. It says in Acts 17 that Paul was stirred in his spirit. You know, he went to Athens, and the Bible says he saw it was covered with idolatry. That there, there was all kinds of idolatry going everywhere. So all of a sudden, he became stirred in his spirit. Have you ever gotten stirred in your spirit? It's kind of what happened to me today the last couple of days watching about that little girl on the news. It kind of stirred something in my spirit, down here in my spirit. Because, you know, everything that, the, everything that they were saying seemed so final, so hopeless. So, you know, this is the way it is and nobody can change. Well, that stirred me in my spirit. I mean, I just felt like hollering at the TV, wait a minute, there's a God in heaven. There's Jesus at the right hand of the Father. He's made provision for this. Amen. There ought to be things that stir you in your spirit. Notice in Paul's time, it was the idolatry of the spirit, uh, idolatry of the, of the area that was in Athens. Then it says in, uh, it says in uh, chapter 18, it says he was pressed in the spirit. Now, this is when he was in Corinth. And this being pressed in the spirit is it was, he was motivated to the fullest to preach the fullness of his revelation. That means God. That means God was unleashing him to just to, to just teach and preach and prophesy, lay hands on, and just go for it. You know, I've, I've I've been in meetings before over the years when I used to travel a lot, and I'd go into some meetings where I'd feel real subdued. I mean, it was almost like the thing was closing down. It was like, okay, Lord, what am I doing here? I remember one particular meeting. This, this, this church had asked us several times. We'd done meetings in Corpus Christi over the years for, for, for many years, camp meetings. I guess there was probably a half a dozen churches that we ministered in. Well, a lot of churches would come to these camp meetings that we would preach. This would be in the early to mid-90s. And one particular pastor was always uh, uh, after us to come. Would you come to, come to the church? Come to, and there was always this, this, this something, you know, this stirring, this pressing, this, 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 this something in the spirit that wasn't right. And so I, uh, I would always put them off. I would always say. So this went on for a four or five year period. So one time he called and the secretary brought to me, you know, the, this man had made the phone call, was wanting to know about scheduling a meeting. And the Lord just spoke to me, just spoke to my spirit, said, go, go. So I went. And I went, I remember I did a Friday night meeting. I did a Saturday banquet, a Saturday night, a Sunday morning, and a Sunday night meeting. And when I got to the church, it seemed like, the, it seemed like it was really neat. The praise and worship was beautiful. There's probably 250 people that attended. Uh, I mean, it seemed everything was in order. They had ushers. The, uh, the, 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 the auditorium was nice. And so I kept wondering, well, you know, why was I so 
oppressed in my spirit all these years. And so as, as we did, we did Friday night, we did the banquet on Saturday, we did Saturday night, we did Sunday morning. In between the Sunday morning and Sunday night service, we went out to eat. And so when we went out to eat, I'm sitting there with the pastor, and the pastor, you know, after we'd eat, and we're kind of sitting there getting ready to go back to the hotel, he said, I need to tell you something. I said, okay. He said, now Monday mornings is my prayer time. Praise God, that's great, you know, whenever you pray, every pastor ought to pray. He said, now when I pray, I leave my body and I go visit all of my members. I said, huh? <laughs> he said, I leave my body and I go visit all of my members. And I said, now wait a second, wait a second, you know, I mean, what do you mean you leave your body? He says, I do. I says, I'll get out on my knees. And he says, I, I can feel my spirit. It'll come out of my body and I'll go and I'll be at this house and I'll know what's going on there and I'll take care of that situation. I'll go to this house. And, and I thought, oh, my Lord, have mercy. And so, you know, I knew now why I was pressed in my spirit why my spirit had a change. So we did Sunday night, and they gave us a nice offer. I went home and went straight to prayer. I said, okay, Lord, why did you, for almost four or five years, put into my spirit not to respond to this individual, knowing this guy was off. Today, the church doesn't even exist. That's why I don't mind telling the story. I said, but then, you, you, then all of a sudden, you released me to go, knowing this guy was messed up. And this is what the Lord spoke to me. He says, I always give people in error a way out of their error. If they will look, if they will seek, if they will notice that there's a way out of their error, I will always give them a way out of their error so that they can save themselves. But if they don't take the way out, and he said, and I noticed the messages that I preached, what we talked on was the leadership of the Holy Ghost. We talked about the things of God. We talked about living holy and righteous and all these kind of things. Come to find out later, there was all kinds of crazy stuff going on to that church. I mean, he was not leaving his body spiritually. But he was going to his member's house. So... Amen. But the Lord was trying to rescue him. God always tries to rescue people. He always tries to give you a way out. Take his way out. And if you'll take his way out, you'll be blessed and not harmed. Amen. So it said he was, he was pressed in his spirit. It says in Acts chapter 19, he purposed in his spirit. Then it says in Acts chapter 20, he went to Jerusalem bound in the spirit. Now I want you to know that's not a bad term, bound in the spirit. When you understand being bound, I'm bound in the spirit to Island Church. I don't want to run off here and run off there. We're taking a couple of extra meetings in the next few years as we go through this building program. But I'm bound in the spirit. Listen, when it was over in field ministry, it was over. God bound my heart to this island. Bound my heart to Island Church. Bound my heart to the vision and the ministry of what we're doing right here. Listen, God will, he will bind your heart. Many of you know what you mean. You, 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 some of you drive over the causeway to come to church here. You don't know why you do it, but you get fed the word. You enjoy the anointing. You know all the things that have happened in your life since you've been going here. And you're bound in the spirit to Island Church. It's because that's what God will do. He'll take and make a spiritual connection on the inside of you. That's why the devil fights people so many times when it comes to churches like this. Because religious organizations and denominational organizations, he could care less if you go there. You're not going to get any help. They're not going to preach the power of God. And they're certainly not going to teach you about how to be led by the Spirit of God. So he really doesn't care. But you start getting around people like this that understand the Spirit of God, the move of the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. He don't want you to be any part of that because he knows God will lead you away from his destruction and into God's victory. Amen. Now, 
That was my introduction. That wasn't bad, was it? Let's go to Hebrews. Go to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. This is where I wanted to get to tonight. And we're going to go back into that, what we were teaching on there just a moment. We'll go back in the next couple of weeks and look at this better. But we need to get this out of the way first. Amen? Notice verse 12, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. It says, take heed, brethren. You know, if the Bible says take heed, you ought to take heed. You ought to pay attention to what they're saying. It says, take heed, brethren, lest there be, lest there be any of you. Excuse me. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you. Now, notice this term. An evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Notice that term again. An evil heart of unbelief. Now, if you go back and reference what they're talking about and also back into chapter 4, he's speaking of the unbelief of the children of Israel, called it the day of provocation. That's the day they rejected the, the, the open door of opportunity that they had to go into the promised land. Now, God calls unbelief evil. Amen? What unbelief is, is the undoing of belief. Listen, sinners are not unbelievers. Are you with me? Well, they don't believe anything. They're just heathens. They're just sinners like you and I were before we got saved. No, an unbeliever is a person that believed, and now they do not believe. Amen. Which means that is what? Evil. That is evil. That is an e God, God brought those children of Israel out. It was not his, his intention for them to sit in the wilderness 40 years. It was his intention for them to come out by the way he led them out. The Bible says through easy stages. And for them to come up to Mount Sinai to have an experience with God. To receive the law and the structure they would need to be the nation God had called them to be. And to go on in and possess the promised land. So when they got to that point in Kadesh Barnea, Moses sent out 12 spies. And the 12 spies came back. And 10 of them... The Bible says, had an evil heart of unbelief. Did you, does anybody, have you ever studied the Bible to see what happened to those ten spies? They didn't give them a medal. They executed them. They executed them. They killed them. And the two men, Joshua and Caleb, that were like, hey, wait, wait, wait. We're well able to go take the land, you know. No, no. Those are the only two of that generation that entered into the promised land. So God knows that unbelief can stop the move of God in a church, in an area, in your personal life. Listen, the Bible says because of unbelief in Jesus' own hometown, he could do no mighty works. This is the creator of the universe. This is the guy that raised the dead, that healed the sick, that fed the 5,000, that stilled the storm, that did all these miracles. And when he came into his own hometown, instead of responding by faith, responded with unbelief. And that unbelief did what? Shut down the power. It shut down the power of God. It always will. Listen, always feed your faith. Starve your doubts. Don't get into unbelief. The most miserable people in the world are the people that once believed. If you know one, you know exactly what I'm talking about. People that once believed the, once believed the Lord when it came to... Healing, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, the things of God. They no longer believe. They're full of 
Unbelievable. They are absolutely. You can't pour enough Jack Daniels. You can't smoke enough dope. You can't go to enough. You cannot do anything to bring any type of relief or rest whatsoever because your human spirit will be just like a knot on the inside of you because of unbelief. Amen? Now notice what it says here. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today. Now notice this. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Now notice the two words. Hardened deceitfulness. Now hardened. What do we call people that can't hear? Hard of hearing. They can't hear any longer. Your human spirit, you can study this in several different types and shadows in the Bible, the potter and the clay, different things like that. Your human spirit needs to remain soft, pliable, easy to be handled by your heavenly Father. If He wants to form it in one way and move you one direction, if He wants to form it in another way and move it in another, if He wants to form a traveling evangelist and He forms that in the Spirit, and if He wants to change that traveling evangelist into a pastor of a, of a local church, then He can take that and the clay is still pliable and He can do that. It may take some time, but He can do it. Amen. If He wants to take you out of your current job situation, make you a businessman, or if He wants to enhance your business or bless you at your job or whatever He wants to do, bless your marriage. Bless. He wants to be able to reach down into you and you not be hardened, hardened, hard of hearing, hard to be led, hard to follow God. Amen. So the Bible says the deceitfulness of sin. So people say, well, what sin is that? Is that drinking or cussing? No, it's the sin of unbelief. And the Bible says whatever is not of faith is sin. So you've got to understand that anything you try to do for yourself outside of the provision of God to bring something into your life that you think you need, that's sin to you. Say, well, you know, preacher, I, I, I really have a tough job. I'm under a lot of pressure. And my job is really tough. It's really tough. And so, you know... Um, Reading the Bible, praying, all that kind of stuff, you know, you can forget that. I do my best to make it to church maybe once a month, maybe once every other month. Uh, uh, I'm doing my best to serve the Lord, but you have to understand my circumstance, my situation. Well, really, the truth of the matter is an evil heart of unbelief and hardness of heart has gotten into you. And what it has done is it has calloused. You know what the word callous means? Callous literally means to rough over to the point in which there's no feeling. I've seen guys that, uh, there used to be a guy down on the wharf and we used to work as longshoremen that could drink almost boiling coffee. It looked like it was almost boiling in the cup. And he, but his mouth, and he drank it for so many years, it was so callous, he'd just pour it right down his throat. Where if you and I poured that down your throat, we'd be running to the hospital to try to, but see, callousing, hardening, Amen. You know, in certain uh, sports and things like that, you build calluses up, and th that's areas where there's no feeling. And the Lord wants you to know, I want there to be plenty of room for communication in your human spirit so that when I move the cloud, move the fire, when I begin to deal with you about movement and activity in the spirit realm, you're able to follow me. You're able to go with me, and you do not have unbelief. You have belief knowing that I'm leading you in the right direction. I'm leading you in a path of righteousness for my namesake. 
Psalms 23, talking about the good shepherd. You say, what do you mean? Shepherds didn't lead sheep into where the wolves would eat them. Come on, little sheep. Here's a den of wolves over here. Y'all come over here. See how y'all handle this. Where did he lead them? Besides still waters. Did you know sheep will not drink out of murky water or running water? They have to have still water that's crystal clear. So Jesus is going to do what? He's going to lead you beside still waters. That's a type of the word. Word that's easy to be entreated. Word that's easy to be received. Word that may not agree with everything in your intellect, but your spirit will grab a hold of it and say, that's what I need right there. Yes, sir. Yeah, I need to be led by the Spirit of God. I need to follow God in this situation. I need to follow God in this circumstance. I need to be led by God in my finances, my health. I need to be. But see, the Bible says what will happen is what? A de- the deceitfulness of sin will what? will harden you or callous you to that. Now, I've noticed this in people. We've said this before. Now, it may look like we're taking a rabbit trail, but we'll bring it right, right back around. My time's up. People begin to act and react many times based upon offenses, amen, uh, getting a little agitated, not getting their way, uh, remaining in a babyhood state of spiritual growth. You know what, what babies do? You know, any little irritation, they let you know it. Amen. And instead of really just growing up and maturing in the things of, of the Spirit, any little old bump in the spiritual road, you know, that's it. That's it. Easy to give up. Easy to quit. But here's the problem. Quitting never makes your problem go away. Not following God never leads you to a place of rest, happiness, and joy. Are you with me? So you might as well grow up a little bit. Amen. Get rid of your spiritual pampers. Get the chips off your shoulder, whether they be, you know, I was hurt at this church, and I was hurt back in the 70s, and then in the 90s, and, and this person did this, and that person did this. You know, I mean, I, I hear people. You know, I, I've heard there's people that have one bad experience, one bad, especially with Pentecostal people. There are people out there that love to be filled with the Holy Ghost, love to serve God, but they got around some nut, you know, back in the, back in the 80s, back in the 90s, got it, and had one bad experience, and that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. Now, listen, everything in life you ever learned, are you with me? You learn through failure. Let me try that again. Everything you ever learn through life, you learn by getting it wrong first. Talking, riding your bicycle, walking, you fell down. Running, you fell down. Driving, you just get in your car and just drive. Oh, yeah. No, no. All of the things in life we ever learn, we learn through a process of failing but getting back up and continue. Well, I, I, I fell down. Why don't you walk, Pastor Rusty? How come they're always wheeling you around in a wheelchair? Are you a cripple? No, way back. When I was two years old, I tried to walk, but I fell down. And I made a decision at that point never to try that again because I'm telling you that was a really bad experience in my life. And because of that, I got me a wheelchair and I've been in a wheelchair the past 56 years. Now, you laugh at that, but there's a lot of people that that's just how they are in the spirit. Well, Pastor, I I wrote a tithe check back in 73. And did you know they cut my 
cable TV off. That was my cable TV bill. And I've been in the wheelchair ever since. Amen. And I went to one of those meetings where people were speaking in tongues and they were doing all kinds of crazy things and, and they grabbed my, one saying hold on, the other saying let go. Amen. And I've been in the wheelchair ever since. Are you with me? Now you're hardened to that. You're hardened to the blessing of God. You're hard. Listen, there's all kinds of, if you treated your life experience the way a lot of people treat spiritual things, you'd never be, go anywhere or do anything. You, you, you'd, be, you'd be locked up in the closet somewhere hiding. Say, oh my goodness, you know, I tried to go outside, but I saw a roach. I saw a rat. I saw a mouse. Oh my God. And people get hardened that way. They get hardened. They, 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 they try to, they, well, Pastor, I've tried to follow the Lord. And, and I tell you, he led, me into, he led me into cancer. He led me into this. He led, that's not true. That's just not true. You've got to make a decision that I'm going to follow my human spirit, my heart. I'm going to learn to listen to my human spirit. The way you do that is by the Word of God by prayer, by allowing your spirit man to grow up and dominate your mind and your flesh where you're not so much moved by your thoughts and your feelings as you are by what's going on in your spirit. You learn to be led by the spirit. And just little, God's not going to get you flying out there, you know, in the great things. He'll get you little baby steps, little baby steps. And then when you fall down, he'll get you and brush you off. You've got to give him the benefit of the doubt that he is looking out after your best interest. He's not trying to harm you. He's not trying to hurt you. He wants to bless you. And then when you get into the major subject of doctrine that our covenant that we all should be sure about healing and prosperity, then people, they, well, we believe God for Aunt Sue and she died. Well, you don't know who Aunt Sue's faith. You don't know anything about anybody that ever believed God for healing. All you know about is your own self. Even husbands and wives, you cannot probe the depths of your mate's heart. Only God can. You're connected to them physically and mentally and soulishly, but you're not connected spiritually. You're connected to God spiritually. You say, what do you mean? Well, if husbands and wives were connected spiritually, then one could serve God and the other not. But you have to serve God as an individual. God doesn't even see us as man and woman. He sees us as human spirits, neither male, neither Greek, nor Gentile, neither male nor female. So each and every one of us have a responsibility to do what? To just get up and dust ourselves off and to allow. You say, well, how do you, get, how do you overcome that? What if there is an area in my life where I've been hardened? What if there are some things that maybe I've had some bad experiences? Well, how do I, how do I overcome that? How do I get through that? Well, the, the, the potter and the, and, and the clay is a great illustration. Clay, when it's hardened, needs water. Water is a type of the word. So if you can take the hard area, what is the hard area? The hard area is where, you know, you went through two church splits and now you're really afraid to ever give yourself to any type of a church situation again. You love to come in and hear the word of God taught, but you thought, man, I, I've been through this before and I've seen some real mess ups. So you're hardened in that area. Maybe it's giving and tithing and offering where you, you know, got some criminal of a preacher, took your money. That's happened. I've had some of them take mine. But that didn't harden me toward tithing and offering. Maybe you ran into some crazy people 
that thought you had to have 50 demons cast out, tried to make you throw up in a bag or do some cry. That, that goes on. There's all kinds of stuff like that out there. I've run into people that needed ministry like that. But here's the thing. If there's any area in your life that has been hardened by bad experiences or things which has caused you to step back from God and into an area of unbelief in your life where you have that hardness, then expose it back to the Word. We teach people here at Island Church all the time, never believe anything because I say it. Believe it because God says it. Go to the Word. See what the Word says. Does it agree with your spirit? Does it line up with something on the inside of you? then allow God to heal that hardness and make you pliable again so that you can do what? Begin to move with the cloud, begin to move with the fire, that which is on the inside of you, so he can begin again to lead you and guide you in paths of righteousness for his namesake. The bottom line is it, you're going to have to heal yourself. You can come up and have hands laid on you, this and that. You're going to have to heal yourself. Take the word of God, take the go get on your knees, say, Father, I've just this area has really bugged me for years. I had this problem. I had this circumstance. I was with these people. This happened, that happened. But see, it's all in your past. It's all behind you. Give God the benefit of the doubt. Second time I've said this, that he is looking out after your best interest. He wants you blessed. He wants you healed. He wants you delivered. And it does not matter how unable you have been, may have been in the past to receive anything like that. What's relevant is today. Today, harden not your heart. Today, harden not your heart if you hear his voice beckoning you. Because he's always doing that. He's always saying, come back to me. Come back. He's always tender. He's always kind. He's always wanting to embrace you, hold you, heal you, and get you right back on the right path. Amen? That help you tonight? Lift up your hands and thank God. Father, we worship you this evening. Thank you for the goodness of your word. Thank you, Father. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.